Romans chapter 5 this morning, Lord willing. We'll look at verses 1 through 5. And uh, you know what? There's a lot in these five verses before us, a lot of glorious, glorious things. Um, Last week, we continued to see, as Paul just brings the point over and over again, that Abraham indeed was justified not by his works, but by faith in the Lord. That the promise of an heir and his inheritance was given to him through faith in the Lord. And Abraham and Sarah, when they were far past the ability to birth children, to even have an heir, they hoped in the Lord. And in hope in the Lord, that promise came to fruition. And we saw that these things, you know, aren't written just for us to learn about Abraham, but they're written for us. That this morning the Lord wants us to know that we are justified, we are made righteous, we're sanctified, we are saved this morning, not by our works, but through faith in Jesus Christ, in His works, in the work of the cross, in His death and His resurrection. And absolutely, that's a truth we want to continue to abound in, celebrate, never lose sight of, and we want to put that gospel message out to the world around us that just desperately needs the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, this morning as we come here into Romans chapter 5, we see a wonderful word there. The first word in the first verse, it's therefore. And beautifully, again, therefore having been justified by faith, that's what we are. It's past tense. When we put our faith in the Lord, we are justified. But listen, we have a God who just keeps on giving. Because this morning we're going to see so many wonderful things just come with that justification uh, when we put our faith in the Lord. And this is just a little of what comes with our salvation and our relationship with the Lord. We'll see with this justification by faith, we come to a place of being, of, of, of being at peace with God. And indeed, a peace that comes from God through that salvation. That we have access by faith into the grace in which we stand. And indeed, grace absolutely saves us. But grace just keeps giving and giving and giving. There's an inheritance that comes, a divine influence. And absolutely in this day, when the enemy wants us to sit and lay down by that grace of God, indeed, we will stand in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll also see that we have a great hope that comes with this justification. Hope in the glory of God, the glory of God that absolutely we stand in today and the glory of God that is to come. And then also beautifully, listen, not only do we have rejoicing in those things we have now, the things to come, we're going to see this morning that we also glory and rejoice in tribulation. And we're going to see God brings tribulation and trials into the life of the believer, not not for any vain thing, but these tribulations and trials bring perseverance. And perseverance brings character, and then character births hope. And it's not hope that disappoints, but absolutely it is a hope that's poured out on us through the love of the Lord and the Holy Spirit. And so a lot of wonderful things for us here this morning. Let's read the text together, these five verses, and then we'll jump into this and just pray God does a good work here in our Bible study. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So notice we read here in verse 1, therefore having been justified by faith. And again, Paul's reiterated it over and over. First of all, started by really showing that we are sinners and we need to be justified. And then absolutely coming from all sorts of angles to show us that justification is not by our works and that's something that we can never lose sight of our works don't make us right with god our works cannot get rid of our debt of the sin of our transgressions 
Notice again, Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law, but by what? By faith. And not by just faith in anything, but faith in the only one who can save by faith in Jesus Christ. Even if we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. And then notice again, for by works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. In fact, we even saw that if we if we try to be justified by our doings, we become debtors to keep all of the law. And so there's even more of a debt that comes on us that can't be paid when we look to ourselves for salvation and we think that we can be our own redeemer. We can be our savior. There's a deeper debt that comes with that. But praise God, Jesus Christ paid our debt on the cross of Calvary. He lived a sinless life. Indeed, he took the wrath due us. And so it's not just faith in anything. And I know there's a lot of people, they like to use the term the faith community or part of the faith community. And they're not talking about just people with faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only faith community that I know about in Scripture. It's those with faith in Jesus Christ. But again, the Scripture says, especially in the last days, there'd be a lot of false teachers and false prophets. And it grieves my heart when I hear that phraseology in Christian circles. And it's an inclusiveness of all of those with faith in anything or any false God out there that can't save you. Muhammad did not die for your sins. Allah will not save you. Buddha will not save you. Your inner person or good thoughts cannot save you. Only Jesus Christ, the one who indeed lived a sinless life that was required of us, who laid down his life for us. Remember, he who knew no sin became sin for us to take the wrath through us this garden full of sinners out here each and every one of us jesus christ paid that penalty and remember the wages of sin is death but christ defeated death when he did what he conquered it when he rose from the grave and so faith in him brings salvation in fact last week the last few verses reads like this romans four twenty three. Now it was not written for his sake alone or for Abraham's sake alone that it was imputed to him, talking about righteousness, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered because of our delivered up because of our offenses and was raised up because of our justification. So again, what's been imputed to us? A paid debt. The books are clean. And then praise God, listen, it doesn't stop there. We have the Lord God who is so generous and absolutely we get saved and he just keeps on giving. It reminds me of an infomercial. Wait, there's more. Seriously, wait, there's more. You just read through the word. Listen, I've been walking with the Lord for a lot of years and I keep finding there's more. There's more that God has for us. Again, he just keeps on giving to us. We read last week there in 1 Peter 1.4 that he has given us an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved for you in heaven. And then look at verses like 2 Peter 1.2. Grace and peace, he wants to multiply it to us in the knowledge of God, of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his divine power, he has given to us all things pertaining to life and godliness. So not only does he save us, but he lavishes gifts on us. He gives us an inheritance that absolutely will not fade away. It's reserved in heaven. Look at Ephesians 1, 3. Bless, he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And then Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Do you trust in him today? Can you say amen to that? Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any of these good things. And so he begins to lay out many of, you know, these good things here in this text that God has for us. Again, therefore, having been justified by faith, notice, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
To have peace, it means to be at rest with. It means to set at one again. And we have that peace. We're at one again with God. We are resting in the Lord, again, not by our works, not by our efforts, but through our Lord Jesus Christ. Before we came to Christ, we were not at peace with God. Again, we go back to the garden and we see where this striving against God started. When man ate of that tree, that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that the Lord said, the day you eat of that tree, you will die. And Satan, again, it's right out of his playbook that he's still using to this day. He comes along and he starts villainizing God. Did God really say if you eat of it, you'll die? God knows the day you eat of it, you'll be like him. And we know that Eve, instead of taking those thoughts captive and saying, no, God said, if I eat of this, I'm going to die. She began to consider the lies of the enemy and then begin to let, be led by the desire of the eye. You know, the food looked good to eat. It looked good to make one wise. And she ate and her husband, Adam, ate. And absolutely at that point, a war between man or man against God started. Rebellion set in. Spiritual death set in. Separation set in. You know what? They became enemies of the Lord when they ate of that fruit. And sadly, we are in a day where there are still enemies of the Lord abounding all around us. Philippians 3.18, it says, For many walk. It doesn't say a few. It says, Many walk, of whom I told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. And boy, you see this abounding in the day that we are in right now. So many people who serve their belly, they serve their five senses. They glory in rebellion against God. So many folks, you know what, standing in self-righteousness, not even based on good works, but based on the rebellion against God and a fallen world coaching them up saying good is evil and evil is good. And again, with a mindset set on earthly things. And listen, we were in that camp before we came to the Lord Jesus Christ. We weren't at peace with God. Ephesians 2, 1 says, and he made and, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in what you in, in once in in which you once walked according notice according to the course of the world world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience it talks about how we conducted ourselves again in this rebellious system we weren't at peace with them before we came to faith in the lord jesus christ and this is where the world sits today those outside of christ and you see them running around trying to find a peace outside of the lord Many people, you know what, they just come up with their own philosophies and so forth, and they stand in wishful thinking, trying to encourage themselves and trying to convince themselves that they're in a place of peace and in a place where, you know what, they can have a confidence in their eternal future. Again, as we just talked about, we're not saved by works, but there's some folks that, again, their peace and their idea comes from their goodness and so forth absolutely many people trying to find a peace just through sinful pursuits or temporary provisions and we know soon as we see the things unfolding around us and we see a world that you know what i think more and more is just getting desperate for peace because in this age that we're in it seems that peace even temporary peace is fleeing from so many people we know a man's going to come on the scene who's going to seem to have all the answers, who's going to you know, bring a covenant to the Middle East, who's going to seem like the you know, what, savior of the world. And we read in 1 Thessalonians, again, when this man comes on the scene, that the world's going to embrace him, and they're going to cry out peace and safety. They're going to say, we finally have our peace. We finally can be at ease. And then it says, then sudden destruction comes upon them and boy on wednesday nights we've been looking at that 
destruction that's going to come as we're going through the book of Revelation. It's going to be a time when God's going to give this world over to its desire to not have his influence upon them. Absolutely, his restraining hand will be taken back. And it says that, again, it's going to come upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And notice, they shall not escape. But praise God for verse 4. And again, praise God that we're justified. And he's talking to those justified by faith in Jesus. But you, brethren, are not in the darkness that this day should overtake you as a thief. And so again, so many individuals running around trying to find peace, trying to find it outside of the Lord. And I'll tell you, as ugly as that can look in this life, how much worse to die in that place where you haven't been justified by your sins, where you're not at peace with God, where you're an enemy of God. Notice Psalm 92.9, it says, For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. And that word perish means no place to flee to, no escape, to fail, to be destroyed in an everlasting destruction. And praise God. Praise God, John 3.16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall what? Shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And we have that justification through the Lord. And now again, we're at peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Our debt's been wiped clean. Absolutely, even in our shortcomings, practically, we're at peace with God. He's patient with us. He's long-suffering with us. He's for us. Listen, when we fall short practically, yes, God's not pleased with our sin, but God loves his sons and God loves his daughters. And God's wanting to pick us up, to dust us off, and to move us forward. And I think it's imperative that we know that, that God loves us and God's for us. And if God's for us, then who can be against us? Can we say men to that this morning? And again, we're at that place at peace, not because of us, but because of him. And we want to remember that. Because I see people and I've seen people get stumbled in life because they start focusing in on themselves versus on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, the enemy wants your eyes upon you and your failures and your shortcomings and your thoughts and so forth because he can get in and begin to manipulate you versus recognizing, yeah, I'll look at me. I, I want to examine my life. But I only want to do that because, listen, if I examine me, I guarantee you I'm going to find some fault there. I better be looking to the Lord Jesus Christ real quick, like, because absolutely the Lord Jesus Christ is the answer to our issues. I love Ephesians 2, 14. It says, for he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation again having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of the commandments contained in the ordinances. And again, outside of Christ, we're under the law and the law shows us we're sinners. The law condemns us to hell. But Jesus Christ abolished the law because he fulfilled it. He didn't sin in any way. And again, absolutely, he died for sinners who had broken the law and rose from the grave. And so God has absolutely put to death the enmity or the law that damns us. Remember, in Christ, we're not under the law now. We are under the grace of God and we're at peace with God, not because of me, but because of him. I love Colossians 1, 19 and 20. And you're going to see again. This reiterated throughout the word, the emphasis on Jesus. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And then notice, having made peace through the blood of his cross. So again, we're at peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's learn to rest in that peace, amen? Let's learn to rejoice in that peace. Let's remember this morning and get it deep down into our hearts. I'm at peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. God's for me. God has forgiven me. 
God has blessed me. God will bless me. God is going before me. God wants you to know this, believe this, and walk in these truths. Absolutely. He doesn't want us questioning his love for us. He doesn't want us questioning, again, the work of the cross, finishing the work, and us being at peace with God. And listen, I'm learning more and more as a pastor is, you know what, I, 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 I get older every day that absolutely, you know what, yes, we, we, we want in Scripture to receive correction from God. And we absolutely want to be in a place where we let God's word rebuke us and shape us and so forth. It's so important, but it is just as much important. And, and you know what? More so, I believe that we know in Christ Jesus, God is on our side and God absolutely wants to bless and meet us where we're at. And the Lord loves us. Because hear this, even on your best day when it just seems like everything's fallen into place, outside of the grace of God, you fall short of the glory of God. And so all the more, let's put the emphasis on Jesus and rest in Him. Now notice what it says here now. Again, so, therefore, we're justified by faith in Christ Jesus, and then we have peace with God through Christ Jesus. And next it says, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope in hope of the glory of God. Basically, this is saying Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. You understand this again in Christ, we're saved, we're washed, but we're also by the grace of God put into a place where privileges that we don't even deserve are bestowed upon us. They're lavished upon us. I just started making a list, and then I, I just had to eventually stop it because it just, it just kept going. I started thinking, you know, what are some of the things that are bestowed upon us when we put our faith in God? Again, first of all, we're justified. It's just as if we have not sinned. We're right with God. But think about it. We get things like this, a restored relationship with God. We have the promise of eternal life, the promise of heaven, the promise of even a new body one day at the resurrection. These, you know, at broken bodies will be swallowed up with immortality. Our sins are forgiven. We're redeemed. We're sanctified. We're justified. We're not only children of God. We're friends of God. We are the family of God. We're also servants of God versus before being servants of the flesh and just about aimless conduct. We have an eternal 401k to invest in. Do you understand that? Storing up treasure in heaven. We got that opportunity. We want to be about the business of God. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. We have the power, the gifts, and the fruits of the Holy Spirit available to us to walk and abound in. We have all the promises in the Scripture that are yes and amen. We have access to the throne room of grace to obtain help in our time of need. And I'll tell you, the list just keeps going on and on and on and on. These things have been bestowed upon us. And I love it. It says we're to stand in these things. God wants us to stand in his grace and all of these privileges that have been bestowed upon us. To stand, it means to abide in. It means to continue in. It means to be established in. God wants us to be established in these truths. And God wants us to stand in His grace, which will enable us to stand in this life. He hasn't called us to lay down, to sit, or to sleep. Yes, there's times when we rest in that sense. But even in that, we are to stand in the Lord Jesus Christ I'll tell you, we get a command to stand throughout the scriptures and it can seem heavy. It can seem maybe intimidating, but by the grace of God, we can and we will in the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 5, 1, it says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. This is what we've been talking about in Romans, standing in the grace of God. I'm saved by grace through faith in Jesus it's not of my works. It's in the Lord. Let's stand fast in that. The enemy wants to knock us down in that. 
But the grace of God absolutely has brought us into that place. And we want to stand in that liberty. We want to shun legalism while we embrace holiness. But we want to stand firm in it. Notice 1 Corinthians 16, 13. It says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. So he's called us to be watchful and standing. He's called us to be brave and standing, to be strong in standing. And how do we do that? We stand fast in the faith. And again, it's not faith in us. It's faith in who? It's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. As temptation comes to retreat. No, I'll stand fast with my faith in the Lord. That's where bravery comes from. That's where strength comes from. That gives the stability to watch. And then think of these verses in Ephesians 6. There's a lot about standing there. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And indeed, we're in a spiritual war. It says there in verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And so we got the devil running around and we are in an evil day. But it says, having done all to stand. And so we stand. And then what do we do after we stand? We stand more and we stand in the grace of God. And I'm going to tell you this morning, no matter what's coming your way, God wants to give you the grace to stand. So look to the Lord Jesus Christ and know all things are possible in him. And absolutely, there's nothing that the Lord won't allow to unfold in your life that he won't give you the strength to stand in the midst of as absolutely We are dependent upon him and we look to him. Listen, it's also important that we stand together. Philippians 127, it says, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs. And then notice as he's writing to this church, it's a letter for us. He says that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. It's so important that we stand together. And again, notice, of one spirit and one mind. That means we lay our agendas down. We don't say, well, I'm going to stand on my thing over here, and I'm going to stand to promote my name over here. No, we stand in the mind of the Lord. We stand in the Holy Spirit of God. Listen, we get equally yoked by coming under the Scriptures together and making it our chief aim to give glory to the one who saves us, who lavishes with these things, the Lord Jesus Christ. God, help us in that. And then, again, we could just keep going, but Second Thessalonians 2.15, it says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast, holding the traditions that you were taught, whether by word or epistles. And this is a call to stand fast in the word of God, not to waver from it to the right or to the left. And again, beautifully, listen, we can do this as we stand in the grace of God. Again, there's nothing that God calls us to in the word that he won't empower us and absolutely give us divine influence to be able to do whatever he calls us to do. He'll strengthen us to do it. So let's look to him and say, God, do what only you can do. We thank you that you've lavished this inheritance and these divine blessings upon us. Now, listen, in in rattling all that off, and I know sometimes I rattle off up here. Listen, it's easy to go, man, that sounds like a lot of work. I don't know if I want to stand like that. I like being saved, but I don't know if I really want to stand like that. But hear this this morning. Everyone stands for or on something. So whether you know it or not, you're standing for something and you might just be standing for not standing at all, but you're standing in that then. Acts 4.26, it says, the kings of the earth took their stand. The kings of the earth are taking their stand today. And this speaks to the bulk of them. And the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. And boy, you look around and you see it, don't you? A lot of people taking their stand against the lord and we either stand with them or we stand against him jesus said that in luke eleven twenty three. we know again we're nearing the end of this age revelation six seventeen says and the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand and i'll tell you the only able to stand 
are those with faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So listen, let's all the more look to our generous God and say, Lord, help us stand to the end. I love what Paul said in Acts 26, 22. And boy, this is a guy that went through a lot of trials and tribulations. But he says here, therefore, having attained help from God to this day, I stand. And boy, again, you read this is this is towards the even the end of Acts and all the ups and downs, the persecutions, the forsaking, all the things that came against Paul. He says, I was able and I stand to this day. How? By the help of God. Again, God's not saying stand alone. He's saying, I'll stand with you again. That grace he's undergirding us. Let's remember that he is with us. He says in Matthew 28, 19 or 28, 20. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So let's stand knowing that God again, we're in his hands. God stands with us and God absolutely through this justification by faith has brought us into an access of absolutely this grace in which we stand. And then he says here, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we're in a place where, again, we're saved, we're justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're at peace with God. We have access to this grace to stand. And we're also in a place where we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We should be rejoicing in that today. Listen, we're partakers now of the glory of God. Think of some of these glorious things that, again, we're partakers of in the Lord. We're partakers of the indwelling and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. That's a pretty awesome thing. We glory in the presence of God until the end of the age. Again, we're gathered out here. The Lord is in our midst. We glory in the entering of the holy place through prayer of God inhabiting the praises of his people. You know, I read there in the Old Testament about the Shekinah glory coming down on the tabernacle of God. We don't just have to sit and read about that. We can walk in that as we lift our voices to God Almighty. We have the glory of watching God grow us, sustain us, and provide for us. There's a glorious thing happening out here this morning. We worship God. We praise God. We're fellowshipping in God. That's a glorious thing in this day. The folks would gather together on a morning like this, even a chilly morning like this, gather together to absolutely do what? To give praise to our God and then glory in the study of the scriptures of God. This is God's love letter for us. It's a glorious thing opening the word and absolutely digging into it. The glory of Christian fellowship. Again, what's brought us together here today? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a glorious thing. We're gathered together here in the name of the Lord. What's brought us together? A love for Jesus Christ. There's nothing greater to be gathered together than the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, we even glory in the praise that comes from us even when we're persecuted and the world blasphemes the Lord. Listen, there's a glory in the sharing, and this will lead into what's coming up here. There is a rejoicing in the glorying of the sufferings of Christ. 1 Peter 4.12, it says, Beloved, do not think it a strange thing, the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. When was the last time that you gloried, that you were able to partake of the sufferings of Christ? That when His glory is revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy. If you're reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. Notice, for the spirit of the glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he's blaspheme, but on your part, he is glorified. So absolutely, listen, we want to rejoice in the glory of God that we're partakers of right now. But we also want to rejoice and we want to glory. And the word glory means to boast in, to rejoice in. We want to glory in the glory of God that is to come that we're going to share in. 
which is coming very soon. Again, we live in a world right now that is absolutely, it's, it just seems to be abounding in rebellion. I, I don't think I need to go into deep detail about this. All you got to do is look around and see it, right? There, there, there's just a darkness that has come upon this world. You see the love of many growing cold. You see so many individuals standing in wickedness. And again, when there was a time when those things were shameful, now they're promoted as right and upright. And if you dare say a word about it, you're wicked and evil for saying, listen, this isn't good. This isn't God's plan. You just see it in the nations and so forth and the uh, oppression upon individuals. It's just bounding all around us. And hear this. I, I don't see it getting better, really. I see it getting worse biblically. Now, that doesn't mean it has to be worse for us. Listen, every day with Jesus is better than the day before. We need to know and recognize this. I'm not, listen, I'm in this world, but I'm not of it. My God's greater than all of this. God wants to meet me every single day. Come what may, my God's on his throne, and my God's going to walk with me all of my days. But listen, we are in a world that is definitely on a downward slope. And we got a devil, an enemy, an adversary who runs to and fro over all of the earth. But hear this this morning. This isn't how it ends. We glory and we rejoice in the glory of God that's going to be revealed very soon. It's very much on the way. It's going to be revealed in a way like it's never been revealed before. We know the day's coming when God's going to take his church out of this world. And you look at Revelation 5 and read about the church represented there by those 24 elders just giving praise and glory to God. Listen, we're going to sing this song. It says, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and has made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Isn't that a glorious thing? That's awesome. And we're going to stand there and we're going to see the glory of God like we've never seen it before. And then think about this. We've touched on this so many times in our end time study on Wednesday night, the last few years and where we are in Revelation there in Revelation 19. We know our Lord is soon coming back and we know at that point we're coming back with him. And it speaks there of the Lord coming on a white horse and absolutely God regulating this rebellion here on earth and putting it in order and reigning for a thousand years in the millennial reign of christ that's going to be a glorious glorious day but listen wait there's more then a new heaven and a new earth are going to come and absolutely there won't even be a sun in the sky because this is god himself will illuminate this city and creation forever listen we have a real hope man there's a lot of people running around just saying, how am I going to get through this day? We know how we're going to get through this day, and we know how we're going to get through all eternity, and we're going to do it in a glorious fashion because of our God and what he's done for us. Then notice verse 3. And not only that, so in other words, wait, there's more. Not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. Some people, oh, no, wait a minute, I don't want to read that. But we also glory in tribulations. You're like, how can you glory in tribulations? We glory in tribulations knowing. Knowing tribulation produces. God's producing something in us in tribulation. He's producing perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character hope. And we'll read here in a second. It's a hope that doesn't disappoint. We're to be rejoicing in and even boasting in tribulations. The word tribulation, it means pressure, to put pressure upon, either literally or figuratively. figuratively. It means to afflict. It means to bring anguish, to be burdened, to persecute, to bring trouble to. Saint, when was the last time you gloried in tribulation? God's called us to glory in those things. Listen, you run across a pastor who says you're not going to have tribulation. You're not going to have trials. Run from him as far as you can get. He's a liar, and he's also trying to keep you from things that God wants to bring into your life 
to glory in. This is reiterated throughout the scripture. Paul said in Acts 14, 22, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. And he's telling this to these early baby churches that have been birthed as, again, Christianity began to spread. What he was saying was, this is the normal thing. Tribulations are normal. We just read, don't think it a strange thing of the fiery trial that will come upon you. We read in 1 Thessalonians 3, 4. It says, in fact, you were told before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation. Paul showed up there in the Thessalonica having gone through tribulation. And he said, you're going to have tribulation. And guess what? They had tribulation. 2 Timothy 3.12, yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, notice, will suffer persecution. The Lord said in John 16.33, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And just one more here, one more of many here. For 2 Corinthians 4.8, it says, we're hard-pressed on every side, but notice here, yet not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. So again, the Lord says glory in these tribulations, knowing God allows them not to destroy you. Saint, what tribulation are you going through? What trial are there persecutions in your life? God says rejoice in these things because God allows them to build us up, to add to us to grow us, to mature us, to deepen our hope in Him, to give us perseverance. Listen, babies and children can't persevere very long. They just can't. And we look around this world today, and it it has a lack of perseverance on so many levels. God does not want that to be us in our Christian walk. He wants us to be moving into being grown men and women in Christ Jesus who have the perseverance and the endurance to soldier on and soldier forward. Listen, you don't get the endurance and the mindset to run a marathon through watching races on television. You got to get out and you got to hit the pavement and sometimes that involves pain that comes along with hitting the pavement but it produces perseverance and it produces endurance and hear this there's a race that is set before us and sadly i don't know anyone's heart but sadly over the years i've seen many people shoot out of the gate like it's a sprint and after a few laps they drop out After a few miles, they say, I'm done. We're called to endure to the end and hear this tribulations and trials. They temper us for the long haul. They build us up. They mature us. We'll see her in a minute. They build our character. And then they produce hope. And the hope that's produced is this. God saw me through this trial Here comes another. God saw me through that trial. Here comes another. God saw me through that trial. Here comes another. Now here comes a massive trial. What am I going to do? Where's my hope? Wait a minute. God saw me through that trial, that trial, that trial. Surely he'll see me through this trial as well. And that's birthed. And that comes through the trials and the tribulations. Hebrews 12.1, therefore we also... Since we are surrounded by so great cloud of a witness. And this talks about these men of faith and women of faith in Hebrews 11. He says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which easily, so easily ensnares us. And notice, let us run with endurance the race that's before us. Doing what? Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we're called to, again, endure and to run the race and to be able to do that. One of the ingredients is needed is tribulations and trials to give us perseverance 
And then also out of that perseverance comes character. The word character, listen, it means experience. It means approval. This is very interesting. It's from the root word, which means to inscribe or to engrave. And when we go through trials, it brings perseverance. And then our lives begin to get shaped. They absolutely we begin to have inscribed and engraved on us the person and the attributes of Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, listen, we're living in a day of low character. This is a day of pleasure seeking, of self-love. You see it all around our world. Listen, it's, it's, it's a strategy of the enemy. It's also been a strategy in our nation of enemies of our country. Listen, go read your history. There's something called the Communist Manifesto. And they said, we got to destroy this nation. It wasn't so much even about destroying our nation, but trying to destroy Christianity. You need to know that. And they said, how do we do that? Let's go in and destroy their character. If we can get these people to become an immoral people that are just about trying to appease their five senses, they'll become a people of low character and they won't stand for their liberties. They won't stand for their freedoms and they won't stand for their God. And I'll tell you, this age of low character has unfortunately birthed so many Christian quitters that just want to follow slot machine Jesus. Jesus is a big slot machine in the sky, and he's there just to fulfill my every earthly need. And if God doesn't make me happy today and give me a fuzzy, ooh, boo, I'm mad at you, God. God's interested in building our character. Building us up. And yet in the scripture again, the scripture speaks of this. He talks about the sower of the seeds and where they fall and it talks about those on the stony ground. It says, these likewise are the ones on the sown on the stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves. And so they only endure for a time after when tribulation or persecution, or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Again, a little truth, personal persecution comes. And wait a minute, I'm tapped out. I don't want this. But we're told here to absolutely rejoice in tribulation. God's not going to forsake you in that. God wants to build your perseverance. He wants to build your character. And he wants to build your hope. Remember, Abraham was in that place where he's almost 100. He can't have kids, neither can his wife. But they had hope in the promise. God said, I'm still going to give you a kid. Where did that come from? He brought him through all those trials. He built his character. God had showed him time and time again his faithfulness. So he said at that point, I believe. <laughs> I believe. And they believed joyfully. Then look at verse 18 of that same chapter, Mark 4. Now these are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires of other things enter and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Because again, they don't want to endure a tribulation. They just want to be caught up in the temporary things, and so there's not an endurance there. Their character is not being shaped. They don't want to stand in truth. There's so many examples of this. Listen, we got to be a people that say, yes, tribulations are welcome, Lord. And when they come, I don't tap out. I double down and stand in the grace of God. And I say, "Okay, Lord, yes, we're in a fire right now. Shape me and mold me and make me for who you want me to be. So all the more I can shine for you. But we're living in a time when tribulation comes. So oftentimes people say, oh, I can't have this. This can't be God's will for me that I would go through a difficult time when really it's right where God wants you to be and he wants you to persevere through it. I think of verses like this, Proverbs 27, 17, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And that's kind of a double side iron there and that, yes, there's an encouragement there, but you know what happens when iron sharpens iron? 
there's sparks that fly. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. And listen, if you're just saying, I'm only going to be friends and brother and sister in the Lord with those people that I just perfectly, cohesively get along with. But if there's any sparks of flying, I'm tapping out. You're missing out on great growth that God wants to bring in your life. And I look around today and there's so many folks. Soon as things get uncomfortable, I'm out. I believe that, again, we're, we're told there in Hebrews 10, 24, to consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day of approaching. And again, you see it so much in Christian fellowship. People come in, not just this church, it happens in all sorts of churches, good churches that teach the word, and they're excited. It's like a honeymoon. Oh, it's so awesome. And then a year goes by, and you start learning everyone's shortcomings. And the honeymoon's over. But listen, that's when it gets good. That's when you're called now to suffer long. Where you're called to love your brothers and sisters. As you begin to, you know, see the areas they need to grow in. But we're so thin-skinned today and so looking for comfort. Let me tap out. Let me find fault. And a lot of times, not only do they leave, they leave wanting to burn the place down and so forth. Let's persevere with one another. Let's forge forward with one another. You see it in the scripture, even with ministers. Second Timothy 4.10, Paul says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica. Listen, I know a lot of Demases. Demas was once a minister of the gospel and he tapped out. Do you know right now 50 evangelical churches close every day in America? 50 a day. And a lot of it has to do with trials and tribulations. And then, listen, I, I, it's difficult. You come to the way, I'm done, I'm tapping out. No, God says, don't tap out, rejoice in it. Press forward in it. Let me shape and mold your character in the midst of these things. I think of John Mark in Acts 13. It talks about him dropping out. But praise God, you know what John Mark did different than Demas? He got back up. And later on, Paul's ministry in 2 Timothy, he talked about bringing John Mark, that he's useful for the ministry. I love Proverbs 24, 16. A righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, and the wicked shall fall by calamity. And here's the thing this morning. The question isn't, will you fall? The question is, Will you get up when you fall? Because listen, perseverance and character and hope comes when we get up. When we move forward. Maybe you're down this morning. Let the Lord pick you up and start standing in that grace again. Because I'll tell you, with that perseverance comes character. And with that character, it comes a hope. Because now you're really walking with God. Now you really are seeing God shut the mouths of lions. Now you're really seeing God with you in the fire. And I'll tell you, it builds a character. It builds a confidence. I've seen God go before me. I think of David there when Goliath is there mocking the armies of God. And no one will step to this guy. And then David says, wait a minute. God delivered me out of the mouth of a bear and a lion surely he'll deliver this uncircumcised Philistine into my hands. And that came because David persevered with character. He persevered and a birth of hope. No one else had that hope, but he had that hope because, again, he had endured in trials. God had built him up. And here he's just a young man, but with great character because he didn't tap out every time a difficulty came along. Again, these are good things. And I know trials are difficult. I know, listen, it, it, it hurts. It's tough and so forth. But God brings these things along for us to glory and to know my God's molding me and shaping me right now. God's building my perseverance. And I'll tell you, we need perseverance and we need endurance right now. Our metal is being tested right now. Do you know that? Will we persevere? Will we move forward? 
Listen, there's a great psychological war that's being waged against us right now. The enemy of our soul is leaning in hard on us. But I tell you, as we persevere in the Lord, and I see it happen, I, I, I'm seeing it happen, I see a lot of people's character being deepened. It's a glorious thing to see. I tell you, in the last few years pastoring this church, I've seen more Christian growth than the 20-some years all added up beforehand. As people are having to gut check, as the question's coming up, am I really going to pers- you know, press forward in my faith in the Lord? And again, the call to fellowship and to be about his business and so forth. And the trial that's come upon us as a nation. Listen, yes, we pray for our country. We appreciate all the blessings of the Lord. But let's also rejoice in this tribulation, knowing it's not in vain. And it's a gift to us in this last hour to shape us and mold us for the things to come. Because I think there's more things to come. I don't think I'm going on some big prophetic limb to say, I think things might get a little more tough and difficult and so forth. But we don't have to shrink back. We can glory in that. All the more God's going to shape us and mold us. He doesn't want, again, us to be a people that, that flee at every turbulence and trial and discomfort and persecution and run off with no endurance and no character and no hope. The Lord asked the question. He said, actually, he said there in Luke 18, verse 8, he says, when the Son of Man comes, will we really find faith on the earth? He says, well, will I really find it? My hope would be he'd find it here. I hope he'd find it everywhere. But listen, this is, we're, we're responsible for right here. <laughs> right here. This is what we're responsible for right here. God, build our faith, amen. Build our perseverance, our character, and absolutely build our hope. And listen, it's a hope that doesn't disappoint. Notice, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. There's a lot of disappointment in this life. People run around, if I get this, then I'll be happy. Then they get that and they say, I'm not happy. Solomon wrote a whole book on the vanities of all of it in Ecclesiastes. Think about the disappointment of the afterlife of those that don't know the Lord. Why does the gate that leads to destruction and many go in by it? But I'll tell you, real hope in God will never disappoint. And the trials and tribulations come to a build our perseverance and our character. And again, our hope, because as we go through those things, we see the faithfulness of God and it all more builds our hope. God's not going to leave me. God's going to see us through. God's going to go before us. God's brought us this far. God's going to bring us all the way home. The hope of God never disappoints. Almost done here, but notice Jeremiah 17, 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man, and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert, desert, and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. But notice verse 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, who spreads out its roots, by the river and will not fear when heat comes but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought nor will cease from yielding fruit except in the last days no it doesn't say that does it we have a hope that does not disappoint and again as we go through things god builds that hope in us And it's a genuine hope because it's there through the love of God. And I love the word, the words here that's been poured out. That word poured out, it means to be gushed. It means to be poured out greedily. It's not like, well, here's a little bit. It's just like a torrent of water that just keeps coming and keeps being poured out on us. The love of God's been poured out on us through the Holy Spirit who was given to us, who dwells in us. Who will see us through. 
I'm close with this verse, Galatians 4, 6. This is, and because your sons, God has sent forth the spirit of a son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Isn't that awesome? Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ Jesus or an inheritor of God and all the blessings of God through Christ Jesus. In other words, it's a hope that doesn't disappoint. It's an inheritance that's real and genuine, that absolutely has substance and is eternal. Again, we serve the God who keeps on giving. Lord, help us to glory in these things. Let's stand up and close in prayer and a last song giving praise to God together out here. Lord, we do bless you. We praise you. We just thank you that you're so good to us. I thank you for the assurance, God, of justification, of salvation, of sanctification, of redemption through faith in Jesus Christ, that you are all in all. And listen, if you haven't called upon the Lord, today's the day of salvation. The Lord wants to wash you, cleanse you, make you right with Him. That comes through us humbling our hearts, confessing we're sinners, asking Christ to save us, to wash us, to be the Lord of our life. He'll meet you where you're at. And saint, be encouraged today. Don't question God's love for you today. Stand in the promises of God today. And Lord, help us to even glory in trials and tribulations this day, knowing you're doing a good work in our lives through those things. Lord, build our character in this place. Build our perseverance, our endurance. Build our hope in you. Can we say amen to that today? Let's lift our voices to the Lord Jesus.
We'll give you a tip if you were chilly out here this morning. It's about 85 degrees in that tent right there. <laughs> I kid you not. So um, we got like half an hour before the next service. Encourage you, man. Build others up. Invest in others. Encourage others. Get prayer from others. Reminder tonight, 6.30, night of worship in the sanctuary there. Invites to Christmas Eve service by the tables. God bless you. Pray you have a wonderful day in the Lord Jesus Christ.